right, well, hey, good morning. Uh, for those of you that are new, my name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be the pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, and, and that was just an introduction to our sermon series coming up uh, next week. So um, as Pastor Richard uh, was saying, it's called Representing Christ. And, and I am personally excited, super excited about this sermon series coming up uh, because it is exactly that. Uh, today, there's so many different ideas uh, and, and I would say a lot of false ideas of what it means to be a Christian, uh, especially in this very uh, divisive world and time that we live in. And so, again, if there's people that uh, might be skeptical or doubtful or uh, just flat out against um, perhaps a Christian message or perhaps what they think is a Christian message, it would be a good opportunity to uh, invite them as well. Uh, and so, well, for this morning, we will conclude this sermon series uh, just about our vision. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about why we gather. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about growing our spiritual formation process. Uh, and this week, we will be talking about this idea of, of going. So our three pillars uh, here at Bethany, and not just at West Seattle, but Bethany across all six locations, is this idea that we gather we find this rhythm to, to gather, we, we grow, uh, and we go. And so uh, that is this morning. And again, as Ashley was saying, uh, today is a little unique where uh, I'll just give us kind of a foundation of where we're going. Uh, and then the sermon will just be the stories that we hear from people in our own congregation to see how they are going uh, in light of uh, the love and grace that they have received uh, themselves and, and for us collectively as a church. And so as we start, let me just start with this. Our word this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. I can read it out loud. It'll be on the screen for you as well. I read from the NRSV translation. It says this. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything is old and has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are, so we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me pray and we'll get started. God, thank you so much that you have called us into the ministry of reconciliation. Through the love and grace and compassion that you showed us, God, we are to pay that forward and show that same love and show that same message to be ambassadors for you, and we thank you for the opportunity that we may be ambassadors for Christ, for you. In your name we pray, amen. I'm just going to say a couple things uh, to set this morning up. From this passage, uh, it talks about this idea of being reconciled to God, how that all of us, we have been reconciled to Christ because of our own uh, what the church would call sinfulness or, or apartness from God that Christ came and made an appeal and, and died on the cross uh, to be victorious over sin so that we may experience fullness and fullness of life. And it's out of that reconciliation that we 
are put on the same, first of all, same ground as everyone else. And it's through that love that we receive that we go out and share that love to others in the way that we may have been called. This idea of reconciliation comes from this Greek word, katalasso. And I don't have it on the screen because I want to make this quick. But katalasso just means to exchange. We've been reconciled. There was an exchange. There was an exchange in the first century uh, from, from war to peace, from hatred to, to love, to callousness, to compassion, to, to greed and selfishness, to, to generosity and to hospitality. And God has reconciled and exchanged that within us for that that is love and grace and compassion of God. So that then we may be ambassadors. Again, this other word that I would love for us to understand, this word ambassador uh, in the Greek meaning presbio. Presbio, and it means like embassy. It means embassy. For us to be delegates and representatives for this kingdom. And for us to be kingdom of Christ due to the reconciliation, the exchange that we have received of love, compassion, kindness, and hospitality. So, with all that said, I want to invite five people. There's, there's a lot going on at Bethany, not only West Seattle, but uh, throughout. But I'm going to invite five people to the stage right now. Uh, and I'll have them introduce themselves and what they're involved with. But these are stories of people uh, working and going out into the community, out into the world to be ambassadors of Christ. And so come on up right now. Let's give them a round of applause as they come up. And so this is where it's going to be a little bit unique. Instead of me just talking for 30 minutes or so, for some of you guys are like 35, uh, we are going to hear uh, from our friends. And so to start off, what I will do is I'm going to have them go around and just introduce themselves. Some of are uh, familiar and some are less familiar. Uh, and just tell us what ministry that they are involved with. Uh, so yeah. Hi, my name is Mitch Lee. Uh, I've been a member here for two years uh, and also serve on the LAT uh, for West Seattle here. Uh, and also got involved with the ministry we have uh, with Highland Park Elementary right down the street. Um, so that looks like things throughout the year, but also big events. So uh, we'd love to get you guys involved. Hi, I'm Krissa Parsley. Um, I am the coordinator for Young Lives Seattle, which is a ministry under the umbrella of Young Life, but specifically a support and mentoring ministry for teen moms. Good morning. My name is Chris Heron, and I'm involved with Young Life uh, in West Seattle and Chief South High School. Uh, so mentoring to high school age students and uh, hanging out with them. <laughs> Morning, I'm Jeremy Bronson. I'm involved in the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation, which is uh, actually, a, a, there is branches at, at all the Bethany campuses that seeks to deepen Bethany-wide understanding of issues of race and justice and how God's multi-ethnic kingdom can be reflected both in our congregation, staff, and the styles of worship as well. Hi, I'm Sammy, and I am involved in our um, global partnerships and strategic visits, so uh, in particular Costa Rica, where we just got to go visit and love on the people that are there and um, support our partners out there as well. Awesome. So you can see, uh, as our Bethany community, there's a, a wide range of how people are involved in serving the community and the world. We have uh, specifically Bethany West Seattle, 
uh, folks here specifically uh, being connected to ministries, particularly Young Life and Young Lives around Highland Park Elementary. That's very unique to our community. Uh, secondly, we have Bethany uh, as all six locations. We have Jeremy representing and Taylor and a couple others uh, representing uh, our MRJR, Ministry of Racial Reconciliation and Justice. Uh, again, that's all six locations. And Bethany Global, where Sammy had an opportunity to go to Costa Rica. I went to Rwanda a couple years ago. And so there's different facets that uh, Bethany is involved with. Uh, and so I'll have you guys briefly all share what, what made you guys get into or interested into the ministry that you are involved with currently. Sure, I, I got involved after Prentice and Taylor led a book discussion a couple years ago on the group, or on the book of um, Roadmap to Reconciliation, which was the, the book selection from the ministry for that year. Um, and one of the conversations was about an action we can take to get involved you know, once, the, once the book conversation concludes. So that's, I think, how I got to be involved with the, with the ministry from a, from a Bethany level, I think, you know, on a, on a personal level as well, I'm, I'm a white adoptive parent of a child of color, and I don't have the, uh, the life experiences to draw on to, to navigate the world how, how she will need to. And at the, the very least I can do is to listen to, listen to those who do and, and learn from them and be a part of those conversations. Um, mine is more from a personal level. Um, I was coming out of a really hard time, um, just a lot of dealing with a lot of loss. And um, one of my friends, I was talking with one of my friends, and she mentioned how she um, experienced the same thing, and um, was and had this revelation that like we all see God um, based off of our the best based off of our experiences. And so um, that really put into thought, like, well, I want to see how other people see God, and I want to see also how um, how those, like, across the world uh, um, and their experiences, um, what stands out to God about um, in their perspective, uh, which led me to Global Missions. I was involved in Young Life uh, myself as a high school student, and my freshman year of college at SPU, they uh, had a Young Life kind of training. If you wanted to be involved and be a leader, you can, you can go, and then they will place you. And so uh, I did that freshman year, which was 2013, um, and I got placed in, in West Seattle, and, and to be honest, I didn't really know where West Seattle was at the time, and so then when I saw the commute, I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been there since, and, and I feel like God has continued to call me to, to West Seattle, and I have loved uh, being involved with, with high school students uh, since that time. Uh, so I didn't know what Young Lives was. It's been a ministry under the umbrella of Young Life for a number of years. Um, but I, too, met Jesus through Young Life as a high schooler. Um, and then actually, a couple years ago, sitting right here in these pews, heard the former area director um, of Young Life in West Seattle share about a vision for starting Young Lives. And at the time, I was about eight and a half months pregnant and thought, oh my gosh, what an opportunity to... Um, 
walk alongside these young moms as we're figuring out parenting together. Uh, and so that, as I got to know more about the ministry and um, <clears throat> learned more about kind of what was already happening in Seattle, um, I jumped on board and um, now we are uh, just really seeing this opportunity to reach to reach the whole city. Young Lives um, has been in Seattle since 2014, but hasn't um, had a ton of... Um, girls just come, <laughs> which is great, um, but we really want to be more intentional, and I sort of see um, growing into West Seattle as um, a part of that, considering this is where I live. Um, and also, just I'll note that um, I am a social worker, I'm a counselor, and I have primarily always worked in schools and secular uh, organizations, and it's always been a huge challenge for me to walk alongside young people during these incredibly difficult seasons of their life and not be able to share with them or not feel the freedom to share with them um, about a God who wants to walk with them through this also and who can do it so much better than I can um, and has so much more to offer. And so I feel like with Young Lives, I get to do both. I get to do social work, and I get to share the gospel, and I get to equip uh, our volunteers to do the same, and I just feel like it is such a, a privilege. Uh, yeah, like most of you, I went to elementary school, so I understood the importance of uh, schooling for these children, um, and Highland Park is uh, not funded to the same degree that a lot of other schools are, uh, and so there's, there's a really big need. Um, and I came to uh, this ministry by asking Prentice out to coffee and saying, how can I get involved with the church? Um, it was pretty much right after uh, my wife and I had moved up here to Seattle um, and figured he would always go out to coffee if you asked, so he did. And um, he said that it was, a, it was a great ministry, and it's um, literally right down the street. And so it's uh, just a really great way to get involved and help these kids out that... Um, would otherwise um, have a school that's not in great shape and doesn't give them an opportunity to learn. Um, and so just helping make that a reality for them. It's true. I do love coffee. Uh, and if you ever want to get involved, uh, I will definitely take you out to coffee. Um, some of us, we need it this morning. Uh, if you followed the sad game last night, uh, my heart is broken and split in two. But I digress. Uh, that was a coos game. Anybody? Yeah, they did. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, they could did. Uh, okay, so uh, as we get back on track, uh, I will say this. This is kind of a new uh, surprise question. I'm gonna have you guys all answer. Like, what does a day in the life of the program look like? The main objective of the program, like even some maybe stories or just something to give us an idea. Like, what does young life look like? What does young lives look like? What does that program uh, look like? Uh, what was it like in Costa Rica? What is the MRJR, the program, what does that look like tangibly? And same with Highland Park Elementary. And, and as they share, I believe there's some photos attached uh, that they will put on the screen as they talk. And so um, anyone can go first. But yeah, we'd love to just know kind of what that looks like in a practical sense. I've been chosen. Um, <clears throat> so Young Lives, in a really practical sense, um, is in some ways similar to Young Life, if you're familiar with Young Life. Um, oh, there we are at camp. So we do go to camp every summer. We have the opportunity to take um, moms and babies to camp, uh, which is just a really amazing opportun opportunity for them and for anybody who goes along. We bring childcare. You can come as a childcare worker. Anyways, um, so that's, that's those pictures up there. But um, I'm going to share more about that later, hopefully. 
Um, but actually, we meet for club um, bi-monthly, so the first and the third Monday of the month. We're getting ready to get started at the beginning of October. Um, and we share a family meal together, so we have dinner. There's tons of kids. It's really chaotic. Um, it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's like a big family dinner. Um, and then we have the opportunity to send our kids off to childcare. And so it really gives our moms the chance to get to know each other, to get to know the adults um, in the rooms who we call mentors, um, to just uh, have a chance to, to not have to be a parent for an hour, an hour and a half, um, to get to talk about some hard stuff, to hear the gospel, to, to just really know that they are loved and they are supported and they are not alone. Um, and that really is our, our goal is to create a space where these girls can come and feel like they, they can ask for whatever it is that they need. Um, and they have people that can listen and people that will, uh, connect and relate. Um, one of my most favorite things is when I see the girls saying, Hey, does anyone have a whatever extra breast pump or whatever? And, and they'll be like, yeah, I do. I'm not using it, you know, and, and they create a community, which is just really, um, really, really beautiful to see. Um, we also, uh, this year, we sort of started last year, but this year we're really starting. Um, we're going to do some life skills workshops on additional Mondays. Um, our girls really want to try to figure out what this looks like um, to, yes, be a parent, but also what does it look like to finish school and get a job and manage finances and take care of themselves and be healthy and, you know, all the things that we all want to figure out how to do. Um, and so offering a space to really focus and talk about those as well. And then we're also starting a small group for our girls who technically age out um, of, of the program. We don't ever kick them out because who says you don't need support when you're 23 as opposed to 18. Um, but we really want to provide an opportunity for our girls to go deeper who want to, um, and learn some leadership skills and eventually Lord willing, even maybe come back and be mentors. So that would be really beautiful. Um, we do also go to camp, um, in the summertime and have, uh, super fun celebrations around Christmas and, and Mother's Day and Thanksgiving and any opportunity that we get. So, um, and then I will also say that's kind of the day to day, but the real important part of our ministry is mentoring. So each of our adult mentors, um, really focus on creating a connection with one or maybe two of our girls who have expressed that they want a mentor. And that is, um, really where the opportunity to, um, share the gospel in a way that is I'm walking with you through what this looks like in my life and in your life and I'm coming into your world and your environment and saying I'm here whether it's um, you know to take you to church on a Sunday morning or whether it's 2 a.m. and you got kicked out so it's um, sort of the whole spectrum but that really is where um, I see the um, relational transformation really happen. So reconciliation, as we're defining it, is about restoring broken relationships. And while a lot of the ministry touch points um, are about what we come together and do, I think a lot of it, 
might be shown in, in how it's reflected in our communities and, and congregations. That said, for the MRJR ministry, a lot of um, kind of the big touch points throughout the year of what it looks like are a big annual speaker event, um, a, a book or, or books if other great ones are identified, uh, uh, book discussions to be introduced among uh, small groups, and I think even sometimes the, the staff will go through them as well. Uh, there's quarterly movie nights. Um, we hosted one that was um, about the, uh, the the history of the of the Duwamish in, in Seattle, and uh, opportunities to partner with local organizations are also focused on on racial justice, just very locally as well. So uh, Bethany has a broader church partners with an organization called Robley Alto, um, and. Uh, through this organization, we uh, invest in a community in Costa Rica called Los Quito. And so um, with Bethany's help, s- s- oh, there are pictures. I didn't send any in. <laughs> um, but um, at, at Los Quito, they have centers um, where it's a community a community center slash child care um, really focused on reaching the poorest of the poor, um, those classified um, as ex- who are in extreme poverty. Um, and Robialto comes alongside these families um, or single moms in, in most cases and provides them with the resources, the support, um, the child care while they're going to work, the child care while they're going to school. Um, because in most developing countries, um, people are classified as orphans if they only have one one parent because they're not receiving the support um, that they ha- they otherwise need. Um, so we're coming along. They're coming alongside these families, providing them um, with the basically the resources that they need to get their lives in the correct direction. Um, and how Bethany plays into that um, because they're doing all the groundwork is we come in alongside um, and we're. That it's really hard to wrap your head around, but we're just there. Um, we're there to provide support, encouragement, and listen. And um, for our team, it was actually pretty difficult to understand our importance um, until we were actually there. And I think um, one of uh, the program coordinators phrased it the best when she said, when you are on the ground working your butt off and just really drained and relying on God for most of everything, when people outside that you know have been supporting you actually are physically there and encourage you and um, hear what you're going through, that actually is um, super encouraging to them. So while we were there, we met with basically all of the staff and heard them. We prayed with them. We played with the kids. um, And... uh, going, or leading up to and um, coming out of the trip, um, our team meets um, on, a, on a regular cadence to, again, pray for the people that we've met and encountered, um, but also um, have opportunities to share. So, Just one thing I'll say about that at Bethany as a whole is, um, you heard Sammy use the words like, come alongside. And I think that's really important when we talk about missions or outreach, that 
Um, although there's a time and place to you know, go in and, and to provide resources and to build a house or clean and, and some sort, because we do that as well. Uh, but there's something unique of when we practice um, the gift of presence with people and to actually come alongside and not to come as like we're the heroes of the story. Um, and again, that's the idea of reconciliation, that we're all on equal playing grounds. Uh, and so this book, again, I always recommend a book every time I'm up here, but the book that we kind of reference our philosophy on missions and outreach and going alongside with people uh, is When Helping Hurts. Um, and so I don't have a photo of that, but if you can look up When Helping Hurts, it's a great book just on sometimes uh, when we go in with this Messiah complex uh, that it does hurt, then, then do more good. And so that's the kind of idea and the philosophy that we have when it comes to uh, outreach, whether it's local or, or even especially international. Yeah, and Princess, if I could just say one more thing, yeah, too. Um, something else that, like, helped, um, helped our group to recognize, like, the need for us to be there is the organization, like, would not actually accept any donations from our church unless we were physically there. Uh, and we physically came, and um, the more we thought about it, um, I mean, if we think about it in a context of, like, parenting, like, sure, a parent can give their kids all of the things that they need to succeed in life, like all the toys, the gadgets, like, basic needs, but, like, what that, like, the child and the relationship actually craves is presence, and um, I think as people have grown up in their traditional way of, like, missional thinking, it's been like, okay, what can we give them instead of, like, what can we share together and experience together? So a uh, day in the life of what it looks like to be uh, involved with high school students and young life is we're, we're starting up uh, school in the school year as well. Uh, we mentioned, and maybe you're familiar, but we do something called Young Life Club, which is Monday nights um, where meals are provided. People in the community make a meal for, for students. It can be anywhere from uh, 20 to, to 50 students or so. Um, we meet in the basement of Trinity in, uh, on 35th, um, and we, it's, it's a time there where we go and, and uh, play games, we eat together, uh, but then every week one of the volunteer leaders shares, shares about Jesus, shares, we walk through the gospel message for them, um, and those are, that's kind of what the weekly rhythm looks like uh, for, for that, but then we really do try to encourage our, our leaders to be involved in the communities uh, in, in different ways. Uh, one of the ways that I've been really encouraged by that, one of our leaders is, is the C-team basketball coach at, at Chief South High School. Uh, and so we had a, a bunch of students come to, to summer camp, and they just call him coach all, all week long. And uh, it's, it's just being involved in, in their lives, uh, going to football games, going to basketball games, um, showing up where students are. And, and sharing life with them. Uh, I think I've been really uh, encouraged and, and motivated by, um, I think it's in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, where it talks about, um, hey, we're not only encouraged to share the gospel with you, but our very lives as well. And so just, um, I think one of the ways I loved that was even just a couple weeks ago, I had a, had a little birthday hangout with friends at, at Alki, and one of my Young Life guys was there, uh, just with uh, other friends as well. Um, and we just got to play spike ball together. And it's just, um, just inviting them into your, your daily walks and uh, your, 
your routines and, and um, coming alongside them. And so then it does lead up to, we do go to, to summer camp um, where that's a concentrated uh, six day, seven day ish uh, uh, of where we go to different camp properties. Um, primarily for West Seattle, we go down to central Oregon. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, very much so in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but it's this beautiful property that, that they've um, really just built for, for students and for kids to, to have fun and to be kids. Um, and where we'll play games with them, but then it is a, v- a very concentrated um, present- presentation of the, of the gospel message where they uh, can hear about who God is, uh, who Jesus is, what, uh, why we have a need and, and brokenness, but then what Jesus has done for them on the cross, and then where do we go from here? Um, and, and it's cool to be w- with them and, and to go to camp with them and then to come home with them. Um, and, and so we're excited for another school year and, and starting that up uh, two weeks, two weeks from now. Yeah. And Young Life has been um, kind of a special place in my heart, too, because I was involved with Young Life in high school. I was a Young Life volunteer as well when I was in college. And so I'm so glad that's one of our ways that we reach out into our neighborhood. Uh, for those of you uh, that go to this church, you know that right now there's... Uh, not many junior high or high schoolers at the church. There's a ton of babies and a ton of young ones, uh, but we just don't have a lot of uh, what we would deem as youth ministries or student ministries. And so, uh, but I say, you know what, our, we do have a youth group. It's called Young Life. Uh, and so uh, if you have a student that's in junior high or high school or know of families that are in need of uh, an environment like that, uh, please look to Young Life. We have amazing volunteers like Chris and his wife, and we also have the area director, his name is Dom, if you can just say hi to, to the world here, uh, so he's been a great resource. Uh, is Haley here? Is Haley, she is? No, okay, um, so anyways, a lot of resources for Young Life as well, so, okay. Yeah, so uh, I know that there's a lot of you that have been involved uh, with the Highland Park Ministry, um, not those kids, but yeah, so uh, this year uh, we had City Serve, it was just about what, five or six weeks ago, um, and so this is uh, the once a year, get the school ready for the school year, um, big project, and so we partner with Westside Presbyterian Church, um, and it's part of a bigger umbrella called City Serve that's uh, working at schools all around the city, um, and just taking part, and uh, our role is just painting hallways, um, something simple as that really gives it a fresh look, and um, gives them a, a chance to start the school year um, on the best foot, and it's a total blast. Um, I know that we had, I think, 20 of us there this year. Um, there's also uh, just random events that pop up. We had a bark chip uh, spreading event where they dropped off 60 yards of bark chips, um, and as a big as a big family with uh, different people in the community as well, um, brought that from their parking lot into the playground area. Um, and then also made this giant pile. So, is there a baby in the sky? <laughs> no, I think that is a, that's a child on the back of a basketball hoop. But, oh, oh. Pretty much. What, right? Am yeah. I the only one? Okay, I'm not the no. only one. Okay. We're definitely responsible and safe the entire time. So um, we took off all of our hard hats and safety glasses for the photo. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a, a really great time. Uh, and the, 
the way we want the ministry to grow is to more of the relational needs uh, that the school has. So they have different programs set up already uh, with like reading partners uh, where students just need someone to come alongside them um, and read together, uh, help them with homework after school, that sort of a thing. Um, so there's tons of opportunities. I'd love to share more uh, with you if that's something that interests you outside of the big once a year events. Um, and I'll be at the back table and I'd love to talk with you. Yeah, and, and this is for any of you guys. What are some like actual tangible ways that you've seen God work within the ministry that you guys are involved with? And, and you could even tack on like what are some of the uh, challenges that you've experienced as well uh, in, again, the ministry that you guys have been involved with? Um, Well, I'm going to use this opportunity to talk specifically about camp um, because I do want to share a bit about what happened this summer um, because it was true. It was truly miracle the entire week. I was um, always want to go into an experience like that with expectation and trust that God is going to show up. But this week far exceeded my expectation. Um, So this is just one small part of Young Lives, um, but I think it's it's a really beautiful um, opportunity that we have. Camp, um, for any young person, is an amazing opportunity, and so many of our girls would never have the chance, whether it's because of the schools that they went to or um, socioeconomic level, would never have the chance to go to a summer camp anyways. Um, And now that they're a parent, um, they really don't. And so, I mean, part of the beauty of camp is just that they get an opportunity to go to summer camp. And like Chris said, these camps are just the most amazing week um, of their lives. So many of them say that. Um, And for our girls, they get to go. They they get to have some really fun, beautiful times with their kids, um, swimming and playing games and doing all sorts of um, fun opportunities to bond and kind of escape the stressors of everyday life. because so many of these girls just face so many hardships constantly. Um, but they also, like I said, we bring childcare, so they have a chance to also just be kids themselves, um, which is really beautiful and, and an amazing opportunity for them. Um, and during that time that kids are in childcare, they do hear a presentation of the gospel. And I just want to share um, just a little bit from our very last um, night at camp. So we had just sort of the entire week had heard um, just this beautiful invitation to trade or exchange the lies of the negative labels that that we all receive from society, from ourselves, um, but that teen moms especially uh, feel the burden of and to exchange those for the truth of just how beautiful they are, how worthy they are, how valued they are um, by a God who is, you know, the greatest voice that we can, that we can ever listen to. And so um, sort of in this moment of processing that, and we call it cabin time, um, the girls all, you know, wanted to come in for a group hug. And so here we are huddled on the floor of our cabin, um, just in this group hug and spontaneously out of nowhere, the girls, um, every single one of them just started praying for each other. And these girls come from all different walks of life. They come from, um, very different experiences of, um, church or of spirituality. Um, they, some of them knew each other as friends. Uh, some of them didn't. And all of a sudden this was just such a picture of this, um, 
of this family of sisters who were praying over each other for, um, for healing, for redemption, um, for protection, um, praying over each other that they would continue to know the truth of who they are. And um, I remember just thinking, like, Lord, you don't even need me. Like, I don't, you know, you don't even need me. These girls, these girls know they've heard your voice. Um, and it was, it was such a privilege to be able to witness that and experience that transformation. And, um, I do just want to read, we did kind of a, I came to camp, blank, blank, blank. I'm leaving camp, blank, blank, blank. And, um, I just want to share one of what one of the, one of the girls wrote, um, which was, I came to camp feeling ashamed of my sins, unworthy of God's love, alone without a strong presence of God or strong friendships. I leave feeling empowered, appreciated, loved, cherished, welcomed, worthy. And that just says it all. Like that is, that's what my prayer is for every one of those girls. And it was so beautiful to see her hear that and accept that. And then to, to pray that over, over her sisters. Um, so that was just an incredible, um, tangible way to see the Lord at work. Um, I think a challenge is that often we don't get to see that, right? We don't get to see the fruition of planting seeds and on loving these girls. Um, the demographic of girls that um, are typically involved in young lives um, move around a lot. There's a lot of brokenness in their families, a lot of brokenness um, in the homes that they come from. Um, you know, sometimes they, um, it's interesting, our, our main place of outreach is South Lake High School, which is in South Seattle, um, over in the Rainier Valley area, because it's the only high school in Seattle that has a daycare program. Um, so girls come from all over the city and we may meet them there, but, um, we actually have girls that show up at, at club or don't necessarily show up. We give them rides from Kent, um, all the way up to Everett, which, um, is because, you know, they make a connection and they want to continue that, but they don't all. And so we do lose connection with girls when they move, um, or when really hard things happen. Um, and I think often we don't get to see the fruit of the, the seeds that we have to trust are being planted. And I think that can be really challenging. Um, it's also really challenging to just know what these girls are going through and what their little ones are going through and the hurt and the chaos and the darkness and brokenness that, um, that so many of them, I think, feel like they can escape when they come hang out with us on a Monday or when they get to come to camp for five days. Um, but they go back to that every day and we can love them and we can share with them the truth of how much they are loved. Um, but we can't, we can't change their situations. Um, which is really hard. I, I'm a fixer. I want to fix everything. I want to just, you know, let them all come live with me, but that <laughs> wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be helpful, um, in many ways. So, um, yeah, so that, that is just a really beautiful picture of when we do get to see the fruit. Um, and just one more thing, um, is that what's so incredible about this ministry is we know that our 
young moms are being impacted by these relationships, but what's so cool is that we know that their, their kids are as well. So it's like a two for one. I mean, it's like this amazing opportunity to reach generations and to have impact on generations and to know that we're planting seeds in babies and toddlers and preschoolers and, and those seeds are valuable and um, incredibly, um, incredibly important, so. I can speak to some of the challenges in that talking about race is hard. Going from talking to, to taking action can be even more challenging. It's a leap. And it's, it's a challenge to go from thought and consumption and, and kind of passive absorption into active taking action. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to feel comfortable thinking a certain way and feeling a certain way and hearing a sermon or, or, or watching a movie. It's another thing to actually uh, take the steps to confront issues that are presented there. It's, it's one thing to hear a sermon. Another to engage in a conversation about how what uh, I and we as, as white Christians have been conditioned to accept as normal. It's one thing to think about, uh, to, to agree that we might need more affordable housing. And another to participate in an event where you walk the, the, the borders of where the redlined districts were labeled in the city in the 30s and engage with how the, the, the maps we drew in the 30s and 40s affect why the city and the housing systems are how they are today. So taking that step is, is a challenge. But I also always need to remind myself that to be able to opt out to be able to say, I don't want to deal with this today, that is a tremendous privilege that I know that people of color don't have the opportunity to just check out and only, only think about this when it is convenient or when it fits a schedule or when the, when the timing is right. So I understand that, that it's, it's hard to go from, from learning to doing, but I also want to remind myself that, uh, that opting out of that is a, is a big privilege. Yeah, for those of you that don't know what redlining is, this is it's fascinating where part of our history in Seattle, literally you can imagine a red line being drawn on a map saying these are areas where people of color were not allowed to get more, be approved of mortgages. And so people of color would have to live outside of that red line. And in fact, that was in policy until the late 60s. Uh, and obviously it didn't end right away, but it flowed into the 70s. And so... That was not too long ago for a lot of us. Yeah, so uh, I'll share three stories of um, the people that we interacted with. Um, The first being the kids, because um, that's really what, um, I don't know, that's where I connected with the most. Um, And so these kids come from really broken homes, um, are which lead to a variety of behavioral um, issues in a classroom um, with, with their teachers and with each other. Um, and even throughout the week, there was, uh, we got to hang out with the kids, and there was this one child in particular who was just the bully of the class, was like throwing everything, like, no, that is mine. Like, um, three, uh, he was like three and a half, maybe four, um, but definitely, like, 
embodied a terrible two. <laughs> um, and uh, as we saw the teachers like interacting with the, um, with this boy, um, every time he would act out, they would either like ignore him or just like scoop him up into a big hug and just rock him. And we were like, why isn't he being like? Why isn't he being reprimanded? Why are there no boundaries? And like. Literally every time the staff would just either like turn turn the other way or just like just cradle him, and so one of our volunteers um, was helping out in the classroom, um, and this boy was like throwing things at the heads of like other kids, and then uh, she came up and she's like shh, like Ivan shh, and just like started rubbing her his back, and then you see this little boy like reach up, grab the hand, and just put him put the arm around him. Um, and then just starts rocking himself and like calms down. And I think like these kids who live up in or grow up and experience such an aggressive environment, like they just really want to be loved. And um, that, that maybe conscious or unconscious decision just to grab the hand and like rock himself into this calm um, state was... It was just amazing to see that he, like, he was recognizing and receiving that he needed he needed the love. Um, and so, for the parents, we got to meet with a couple of them um, and hear their stories. And uh, the work that they're doing is amazing because we asked or we got to hear of like, why did you stay in this abusive or aggressive situation for so long? And the women are just they just sit a while and they're like, well, I didn't realize that I had the option to go anywhere else. Like he is like that person that was hurting me was my financial stability. He was like the reason why I could live in a house and raise my kids because he was providing that. And I just didn't see another way out. And so speaking truth into these women of like you are worthy of having a job you do have skills like you don't need to subject yourself to this or you don't need to subject your kids to this like um you do have things to offer that for them is so mind-blowing because they were raised up in an environment of like again um parents weren't in the best situation and you can just see how it's cyclical um, and how this organization is coming up beside them and how we're partnering with them and saying like like this is your worth and like you know how to make bread great let's start making bread like why don't you start making bread and going around and selling it to your neighbors Um, you want to go to school great well like let's put you in a plan and like let's make um a two-year plan of how we can provide for your kids in childcare, have them get a healthy meal, and you just focus on um, getting the grades, going to school, and like being in a safe environment. Um, and how they receive that and realize, like, yes, I can do this. Like, it's not about me just receiving something from somebody that has a poisonous, that's creating a poisonous environment, but, like, I can do something. I can make a difference. Um, And then, finally, with the staff, the staff are so loving and so caring, and um, the biggest thing for them is that they can talk about Jesus. 
in what they do throughout the entire um, program. And so uh, one of the staff was so vulnerable and shared that their kids and family um, one day approached her and were like, you talk about Jesus and you pray with these kids all the time, but why don't we do it enough at home? And so um, you can see it starting to transform the staff's lives as well and um, them wanting to basically just continue to be a light for who God is. Well, obviously we can go on all morning and just hear incredible stories uh, in the way that God has been working and some of the challenges that uh, we all experience in ministry and even in your own lives. We all have ministries in our own lives. And so uh, what we're going to do is this. I want to I pray uh, and I'm going to invite the worship band up, um, but all five of them will be at the connect table, and there are actual tangible ways uh, for you to be involved. And so if you have any questions, just in general of how the ministry works and about the ministry, uh, if you just feel compelled right now just sitting here uh, to be involved with your time, resources, finances, whatever it is, uh, it'd be a great opportunity just to go there and just ask some questions. And so can we give them a round of applause for just an incredible time with Sharon? Thank you. Thank you for the work that you guys have done and are doing, and God is using you even in your joy and your weariness, and so uh, we thank you for being ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of Bethany, and uh, we're thankful for you. So let me pray, Uh, and and for those of you that don't know, doing this kind of work is exhausting, um, but rewarding. Uh, and so I want to pray for them. Uh, if you feel comfortable doing this, will you just reach out your hand? There's nothing magical about this, but it's just our way of saying, you know, I'm praying and I support uh, and I'm with you in, in your work. And so let me pray and uh, we'll continue in song. God, thank you so much for these men and women who just have stepped up in the midst of their own busy lives to serve you by serving uh, the most vulnerable, the marginalized, the, the most in need, with an acknowledgement that that's us as well, that we have been reconciled to you, that we have received in exchange, uh, we have ex- received our joy and your love and your compassion, and so therefore, we are compelled to move and to share that with others. So be with each and every one of us, them that uh, are in ministry of reconciliation. Give them strength, give them courage, give them joy, and spark into their minds of the ways that you're working, and may that encourage them as they move forward. We thank you for them and all that they've done, all that you've done in and through them in our church. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Again, please say hi to them, thank them, meet them at the end of the service at the Connect table. Let's continue in worship.